A podcast network. When I've made some discoveries in my own personal life with the science that, you know, Pythagoras was searching for, I was able to open up the flower of life properly and find the real wave conjugations that we've been looking for for 10,000 years. Why would I continue, you know, walking on water for tips when I've got an entire generation to teach a whole new world? That's a big... Yeah. What, what, what do you intend to, to do? Well, let me put it this way. All energy in the universe is expressed in motion. All motion is expressed in waves. All waves are curved. So where does the straight lines come from to make the platonic solids? There are no straight lines. So when I took the flower of life and opened it properly, I found a whole new wave conjugations that expose the in-between spaces. That's, it's the thing that holds us all together. Hey, Terrence, take it to Soberish. This is Mormon and the Meth Head. <laughs> if you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron would all just read our friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. Oh man, you wonder if I, I wonder if I can get him booked on Soberish now that you, he's not going to be a TV star. Probably good now. I am so grateful that I was not famous when I woke up. You need after an awakening, you need like at least eighteen months to do math equations in the corner by yourself before you have a microphone put in your face. Uh, is that? I mean. I thought Jim Carrey, what do you think about Jim, when Jim Carrey did his uh, really depressing like fashion show interview, he seemed to make sense. He was just bumming people out. Yeah, but he was like 15 years into this process. Okay, Jim that's Carrey what I was going to ask. Or woke up. He weirdly got booked on multiple movies about reality being fake and like that's his wake up process, you know? And so whenever that was, was like the 90s was when he woke up and he was already like manifesting reality and shit. Um, Terrence Howard obviously had one of these just getting knocked off of. I've read somewhere on Twitter that he did ayahuasca. What in the 90s did he do besides Truman Show that was about world being fake? I would say like Eternal Sunshine, the Spotless Mind makes me think of this kind of stuff. But he didn't do that until uh, later. Right. Uh, they all run together for me, I think, okay. because they all took place between Christianity and drug addiction that I didn't really see any of those. But it was, there was a Deadly God Truman movie Show. he did, Truman Oh, Show. Bruce Almighty. Um, Spotless Mind. Yeah. He did several. I think it's in the Andy show, in the Andy movie where he explains how he just kept doing, he kept playing these roles that were right. like I fucking think he up did his, that one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, I don't think that the, that the Andy Kaufman movie, Man on the Moon was necessarily about why well, it's not, I don't think it's about reality being fake, but like when he talks about the process of how he became Andy, yeah. it seems like to be like, uh, when I watched it, I was like, that seems like it was a big part of whatever his current mental philosophy is a lot of it he was like went out to the ocean one night and like uh beckoned andy's soul to inhabit his body and stuff. yeah and then so andy jumped and this is something i think we'll get more into in the next couple of years is a thing that was in the oa season two i'm done not spoiling it for you guys you haven't oh, watched no it. come on don't don't please they talk about jumping into other people's bodies 
and that when you jump timelines in other people's bodies, you have to be careful not to crush their consciousness because you can inhabit their body. You don't have to be careful not to crush their consciousness, but you can have more fun enjoying somebody else's reality coexisting with their consciousness, which I think about this a lot because I feel like when I woke up, the Jessa that knows how everything works wasn't a part of me. Like that piece of me came back with me when I, after I died and that part of me didn't exist before. And a lot of what's been happening for the last couple years, this last year especially has been me integrating the parts that got crushed. Do you think Andy crushed Jim or did like, what do you think about when you, when you watch uh, Jim and Andy and he talks about that experience? I feel like he talked a little bit about, I don't think he got crushed, but I think he definitely like knows that Andy came and inhabited his body and kind of had like an observer experience with it. Maybe it crushed it. Cause remember at the end he was like, when Andy left, I didn't know what am I now? Mm. I don't remember that part, but I don't remember it super well. I remember talking about um, just like thoughts on acting in general, you know, pretending to be someone. And then he was, you know, applying that to uh, real life. You know, I'm playing a part. Yeah, I am playing Jim. That's all that I'm doing. And now I'm playing Andy. And if you can just switch like that, what does that mean about who we actually are right and uh, i love it loved is a it. huge ego a of, revelation so many people i know we've talked about this before but i still can't understand the people that disliked jim carrey after watching that i was fascinated by him it, uh, i loved him i could after that. i could see somebody uh feeling weird about terrence howard right now because terrence howard is definitely saying some shit about uh pythagoras and uh and and gravity and things this and that's it's headline is killing me right now yeah the headline <laughs> Terrence Howard to prove gravity isn't real at the Walk of Fame. <laughs> yeah, he got a, so he got a star on the Walk of Fame today. If you guys haven't watched this clip from him at the Emmys, they, they're interviewing him about his like uh, alleged retirement from acting. He's like, yeah, I am going to retire from acting um, because, you know, I've pretended to be people. And now I've learned this truth and I need to teach a generation. Of, I need to teach the whole world, I think he says, about this truth. And uh, he says... On Tuesday, at my Walk of Fame ceremony, uh, he was going to put something on YouTube. So Jess and I just watched a Walk of Fame star ceremony for no reason. We've never. Why would you ever? We've never wanted. I've never once wanted to watch a Walk of Fame ceremony. But he said that he was going to build Saturn without gravity, and I didn't know if it was coming out on his YouTube channel later today or if I needed to watch the speech. So we watched the speech. All he did was thank a bunch of people, and it didn't. It, I didn't like it. I wanted to hear him uh, explain Pythagorean's theorem. I wanted to see him prove that uh, gravity isn't real, and then I wanted him to integrate his other doctrine that is my favorite, and that is that women who don't wipe their ass with baby wipes are unclean. Do you remember this? <laughs> no. What? Uh, Terrence Howard baby wipe quote. According to bed.com, the more successful men now are the effeminate toilet paper and no baby wipes in the bathroom if they're using dry paper they aren't washing all of themselves it's just unclean <laughs> uh but yeah i didn't hear a gender there i thought he was saying that's for anybody uh man man or 
Woman. Oh, there's an entire Terrence Howard quotes that made us pause. Oprah and I had such chemistry to be able to make out with Oprah. What? And to have love scenes with her and have oh. those tiggle biddies. I mean, she's such a lovely and voluptuous woman. Did he she's say tiggle biddies? Tiggle biddies. <laughs> she's very, very beautiful, and that was wonderful. In what movie is that? I want These are just his quotes, like in. No, interviews. no, no. I know, but it sounds like he made out with Oprah in a movie. Oh, like when he said I think love he was scenes. just talking about something he would like to. Oh, oh, okay. We've got all these different faces. I was like, that want I was already out. googling the movie. I was like, what are these Oprah sex scenes that I've never seen before? Oh, okay. Damn here, it. this is on Oprah's Anatomy. Uh, Terrence Howard plays one of the most outsized characters on television. Okay, hold on. That's I was just reading one about he, he s- did multiple interviews, spoke on multiple occasions uh, about. Uh, why he doesn't believe one times one equals two. He was like, one times one can't equal two. That would mean two has no value. But the square root of four is two. So the square root of two has to be one. They tell us it's two, but they're lying. And he was like setting out to, to prove once and for all that uh, one times one equals two. I love it. Did he win? This so ha, maybe he's already been doing math equations in the corner for a couple of years. Sounds like math's been on his mind, uh, but no, he hasn't won. Uh, there's like simple re- like one <laughs> one times one is one because it's yeah. Oh, that's such awakening shit. Uh, a quote on his multiple personalities. We've got all these different faces that want to come out. There's at least four in this moment with a possible expansion to 432. What? But which one do you what? let out? What? <laughs> so specific. So specific. But which one do you let out? Is it the person who's cool that you've mastered? Is it the excited little boy? This is fucking interesting. This series of quotes because you get to watch somebody trying to wake up, but then you get to hear the pain of their programming. His quote on manhood. My daddy taught me never take the vertebrae out of your back or the base out of your throat. I ain't raising sheep. I raise men. Stay a man. But being a man comes with a curse because not it's not a society made for men to flourish anymore. Everything is androgynous, you know. The more successful men are now effeminate. You hear a lot of like him this struggling is, And that's with when he gender. starts talking about uh, toilet wipes. Though. The next one. But I think he is uh, more effeminate. Yeah, yeah, but you can you can see him like the, oh the, when you he's said struggling with gender, you mean he's uh, overcoming his his okay. own programming. You can hear it. This is what drives me nuts when we just don't let people be complicated and 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 uh, weird and work their shit out. I, I love think it. we're letting him be weird and work his shit out. The next quote: toilet paper and no baby wipes in the bathroom. If you're using dry toilet paper, they aren't washing all of themselves. It's just unclean. If I go into a woman's house and see the toilet paper there, I'll explain this. And if she doesn't make the adjustment to baby wipes, I'll know she's not completely clean. <laughs> On physics. I was always wondering, you know, why does the bubble take the shape of a ball? Why not a triangle or a square? I figured it out. If Pythagoras was here to see it, he would lose his mind. Einstein, too. Tesla. Uh, do you have a date on that quote? Uh, that's a good that question. Because he mentioned Pythagoras uh, on the Emmy's purple carpet. This so. is 2015, September 22nd. So he's been working on this for a while. Yeah. Okay. 
I feel like his statement should have been better Sunday night, don't you? <laughs> yeah, he's been he's been unfolding the curved lines for uh, a long time. His next one, his Christmas wish is to pay off his debt to the IRS. Get the lien off my house. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, here's the the next quote that Jessica just handed me. This is the last century that our children will ever have been taught that one times one is one. <laughs> It about time. No longer. No more. Never again. They won't have to grow up in ignorance. 20 years from now, Jessa, they'll know that one times one equals two. We're about to show a new truth, the true universal math, and the proof is in these pieces. I have created the pieces that make up the motion of the universe. We work on them about 17 hours a day. She cuts and puts on the crystals. I do the main work of soldering them together. They tell the truth from within. Do you know what that means? <laughs> oh, okay. I was hoping you did, man. This is... Okay, so the news was... Uh, was I don't know the news. Twitter is my news. But Twitter is sharing this thing around like, can you believe what he just said? And I guess based on your tweet, which was very funny, I was like, yeah, okay, he just woke up. Yeah. But he's been on this yeah. uh, bit for a while now. Yeah. I do wonder if this is a... Because there's the thing... 17 sacred... hours a day, they're soldering crystals yeah. <laughs> together. So don't don't question... Don't be like, oh, you should have stayed in the corner. He's been in the corner. He's done the work. He has the science. Um, I don't understand sacred geometry at all. It's not a, a thing that I understand because I'm not a math person. I should ask Water Baby because she's a math person. I've seen it. I definitely have seen it on DMT. I think I see it as a layer of consciousness all the time, but I don't understand. Like, it's just not my genre of shit. So he might be talking about some metaphor for one times one you know we experience consciousness as one individual person but we are actually two individual people oh my god can you imagine if this guy had stayed in the mcu <laughs> if this guy had just been in avengers endgame oh my goodness this guy i like they him. wouldn't let him talk probably i probably not you're like owned you're not allowed to be batshit that's probably why they covered it. Yeah. I mean, like the whole thing. I don't know. It's like I think you wanted more money for Iron Man two, and so they're like, "We'll just replace you and uh, goodbye." But what if he was actually like already on this bullshit? And like Robert yeah. Downey Jr. is like, "Could you get him to stop talking about Pythagoras to me?" <laughs> like I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to be Iron Man over here, and this guy's like, "Oh, you like science?" <laughs> He's standing on the corner of the set while I'm building CGI armor. It's not real. And he's like, that's not exactly. There's two I just, of those, I think know. Tony Stark would understand that one times one. Uh, Tony Stark knows what the square root of two is, though. That's the problem. He's like, uh, what is this shit? Oh, uh, man. This was the. I don't know what's my favorite moment of the Emmys. This or Zendaya's dress. Because my God, oh my God, that that dress changed me. Yeah, it changed uh, changed me inside more. The the change that Terrence Howard is seeking to bring to the world, I I achieved by <laughs> seeing Zendaya. Also, Fleabag won. Oh, Fleabag won a ton. Of course, somebody shared this thing about because uh, I knew that she had this one woman show 
that uh, is where Fleabag came from. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know, I was talking to a friend already about like she probably made no money on that one woman show. And now look at her. Uh, she's got this this smash hit TV show that's winning a bunch of awards. But somebody shared a meme and I retweeted it. That was a picture of her review from Fringe Fest from Edinburgh yeah. uh, of the one woman show. They hated it. This one critic wrote about how uh, dislikable uh, the that Fleabag was. Yep. And... Uh, I don't know. Maybe it sucks as a one woman show. Uh, I can't. I don't. I wonder what that's like. But still, I think, I think anytime so cool. you want to bring your art to fruition, reality is going to show up, and someone's going to say, "Hey, this is trash," and you have the opportunity to say, "Yeah, you're right," or mm, "It's not for you, bro," mm-hmm. and keep going. Okay, I feel uncomfortable about uh, the comments I made about Zendaya's dress because uh, you said nothing, and I, you, oh. uh, I, I'm already, I'm, uh, there's just, like, I'm already uncomfortable about how attracted I am to Zendaya because I feel creepy about it, uh, and uh, isn't that just kind of like a universal truth? A universal truth. That Zendaya is very hot. Yeah, it okay. is. But I just I think it's weird for uh, older guys to like younger girls. That's what I'm afraid. I'm afraid of looking creepy. How I old feel- is she? I don't know. Old, like young enough for me to feel weird. I'll look it up right now. I thought she was like 25. She, she's 20 something. She just was like a Disney child actress, though. Oh, I didn't know that. You know, and that's just that's that's what's. Uh, Oh great! I just I forgot to type in age, and now I'm just looking at more pictures of the dress. <laughs> God, it's just a very good dress. She's only 23. It's pretty young. Time to meet Mike at the door. Okay. Why she keep calling my phone, speaking sexually? You call her Stephanie. I call her Headphony. I don't open doors for a hoe. I just want the neck, nothing more. Mo, excuse me. You're listening to Mormon and the Meth End. <laughs> Welcome. Right. Seriously, where should we pick up? Uh, we were just eating lunch, and uh, I'm trying to figure out where were we? We were talking about your attraction to very young women. No! That's the part that we could totally cut out because we pressed stop. I was like, we definitely won't go back to... I was like, if anything, we'll redo it, and I'll talk about the dress while you're not on your phone, and you can like go, oh, yeah! And then... It was the silence that made me feel extra self-conscious about it. I was like, I thought everyone liked the dress. I was thinking about, like, thinness. You were thinking about thinness. Yeah. She was very thin in the dress. So when you talked about the dress, I was just thinking about, like, conditioning and, uh, like... Uh, thinness and how we went through like a moment there where it was like oh we're we're like attracted like collectively getting attracted to bigger bodies and then I was like back to thinking about uh, like thinness because that's what I thought when I saw the dress I was like she's very thin oh uh. I don't, so you think now it's over the thick girl movement's over Zendaya ended it now no, we're back uh-uh. to thin I was just she's also she's also uh, a literal child remember she hasn't yeah. put on any uh, adult weight yet that's the problem anyway in the break I have shown Jessa who Zendaya is I think that was uh, an initial problem now 
Now she's aware of Zendaya's entire filmography and collection of suits. Yeah, so I have seen her in Spider-Man. Oh, okay. I think. And then I think the other movie you listed, I heard her because um, it was animated. Did you watch Smallfoot with your kids? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. Way after you did, like a year after you did, I think. They but like it, though? Yeah. Good. It's hard to tell if my kids give a shit about anything other than punching each other in the face. But, um, yeah, anyway. And I don't think it's weird to find someone in their early 20s hot. I think that is what we like about... That's why people are stars in their early 20s. Like, that's when... I think from, like, you know, early 20s to mid-30s is your peak hotness, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know... The teenage years are weird because they're not legal, but also because you haven't even, like, grown into your face yet. So then in your 20s and into your 30s, you're, like, growing into your face. <laughs> and then your face starts to rot off of your head. And then I get it. But I don't think it's weird to think they're hot. I also don't think it's weird to have sex with people much younger than you. I think that all makes sense. I think a lot of what the people that I follow on Twitter that are funny talking about men refusing to date their age and only wanting to date younger women. I do think there's a weird sexist power dynamic that happens when somebody is dating purely for like attraction, sexual reason, like the trophy phenomenon, the trophy woman phenomenon where the man doesn't take the woman seriously as a partner. And they kind of use age to do that, which is like, I'm partnering up with you because your body is hot or people will perceive me as more powerful if my partner is younger rather than like this is someone I resonate with. And that's a sweeping statement because we have fans that are in their early 20s that I talk to all the time. And I'm like, it's fucking, you know, I resonate with people that are younger than me because imagine somebody in their uh, 40s trying to have a conversation with me. <laughs> Difficult. Yeah. Uh, Very difficult. It's not that I, I don't want to talk to them, but they um, don't want to talk to me. So I think it is on an individual basis, but I don't think it's creepy in the slightest to think that somebody is okay, hot. Okay, good. I was 20s. feeling self-conscious. I felt I was just like, I've, I've gotten too old for this. this no. <laughs> I don't think but. it's weird to have sex with people younger than you either. I like It's something I I've wrestled it's, with. I don't but know. I, there's something, though about just like historically like men lusting after young actresses like famous people and like i think all the points you made about why uh people are famous uh, when they're young makes sense right? right but like the stuff like with emma watson when emma watson we watched her grow up uh as a kid like and i i would uh I was never super into Emma Watson, but at least I was like close to her in age. I felt like I felt like we were in the same, like I was, a, I knew I was like, a, maybe like, I don't know. I was a kid watching the Harry Potter movies, but they're like grown ass men watching the Harry Potter movies in like, uh, and now like, I don't know. Emma Watson's also like, uh, in her twenties or something, but like when she crossed, crossed that 18 year old barrier and then like started doing other movies after Harry Potter. And like, anytime there would be men talking about how hot she was, I'd be like, that's gross, man. Because when I think of Emma Watson, I think of 
the Sorcerer's Stone. Kid, I think yeah. of little Emma Watson, and so it's it's weird. And so I don't even know what Disney shows and Dio's on because I never had the Disney Channel. But she was on like I know that she like has been around since she was a kid actress, and that's what I think. I'm feeling like Aaron, you're just like those those men the, in the past generation who are into Emma Watson oh, or who into and Natalie Portman before that. You know, yeah. Moby. I've been thinking. I don't want to be Moby. That's yeah. Or like I saw. No one wants to be Moby. A funny tweet about Leonardo DiCaprio's girlfriend. God, what was it? Uh, It was a funny joke about her not being legal enough to drink. I think, and that's the kind of thing where I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't know him. But is that your girlfriend because you guys really connect on a deep level and she understands you? And it's the kind of connection where you're challenged and it makes you a better person. Or do you feel like you have to have someone young and hot so that people don't notice that you're uh, approaching your mid forties? That's where I'm like, "Mm." I feel like it makes everyone notice more. I feel like it 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 really accentuates your age. Or is it your partner because you don't? You know, mm-hmm. you you see women as an object or an accessory. Now, what to your about life. what about Kate Beckinsale dating Pete Davidson? That's because well. This is why this is I've same, been thinking about Pete it. Pete Davidson, it cannot be a good boyfriend. There's no way in hell Pete Davidson is uh, is interesting to Kate Beckinsale. I don't, like uh, an, other than like a youth thing, right? Yeah. Like I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've th- I've thought a lot about this. I mostly date people in their 20s now but when I was young I you know I dated different people but like I was attracted to plenty of men 15 years older than me and in my head when I was young I didn't feel like oh this old guy or whatever there was something attractive to me about the difference in the life experience but I also just wasn't you know I'd already had a lot of life experience myself then I think now I'm attracted to younger people. I'm still attracted to older people. I just don't have a lot of access to them or I'm not resonating on the frequency of people who are currently, you know, driving their kids to soccer practice or whatever. It's just not where I'm at. But I think a lot about it. And then I, you know, I like I'm attracted to people in their 20s. And then I think like, but there is a part of me that wants to build a family. Is this practical? Not really, you know. And so... I don't know. I think it's a bunch of things. I think there's a difference between dating and sex and life partner, you know? And right. we see these like rich, powerful men go after a life partner that it seems on the outside isn't based on who they are as a person. I think Kate Beckinsale's just getting fucked and having fun, you know? I don't think yeah. she's I you know, like obviously I f- I like it better when women do it, but like Susan Sarandon Me and- too. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Susan I've Sarandon and hate- Tim Robbins, that was like such a big deal. She's like 10 or 15 years older than him. They're not the same age? Oh, no, of course they're not, because Bull no. Durham, he plays the Yeah, he the was young. young. He was young when she scooped Tim him Robbins up. just looks old. I feel like Tim he Robbins... He was still young and hot at this point. She just like... Bull Durham is, is, is hot. Yeah. Uh, I love it when actors like so they did they uh fuck like did they date after I think they Bull met Drum? on that movie and then they were married for twenty years because it was like a I think they were like thirty and forty I think it made uh, a little bit of sense or maybe they were yeah 
And she's so hot still. It's like she's like in her seventies. I think of them. It's it's weird because I I grew up looking at them as the same age. Like yeah. they're adults. By the time I'm seeing them, in, uh, like when they're making headlines for their their liberal viewpoints and stuff on the red carpet, I just was like they're the same age. I've never right. thought of, of of him as younger. It was younger. a big deal because back then, women, older women, never got a younger man. You know, wow. so it was like that was such a powerful thing for her to have done because it was all hell. Yes, of. Susan. Yeah, and she was like, "Yeah, duh," you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, Do you remember when Jerry Seinfeld dated a high schooler? <laughs> Vaguely. Yeah, I feel like I only like it's just like a thing people talk about. But she, he was like, he was like thirty-eight at the height of Seinfeld, and was dating uh, a high schooler. I see that. It. Do- Why does that bother me? Because if it was. That is a big enough stretch. That's a where I think, there's just no. It's it's just based on sex and power. It's not based on. I think that the gap, like the acceptable age gap, changes as you get older. Right. You know, like yeah, I have no problem with a forty-year-old and a sixty-year-old, but a forty-year-old and a twenty-year-old. Yeah. Big deal. Big deal. Uh, especially like someone who's like still living at home, and you're like the the one of the biggest stars in America. And yeah, it's the it's the power dynamic. And it's also, I don't know, I, this is where I'm like, sex is different than dating. Right. Right? Because, uh, well, we've had th- threesomes with people who were, were in their lower 20s, and we were like, listen, if you want this, you're going to have to like ask for this. Like, we are not going for this at all. And I, th- I think we insulted her a little bit because she was like, um, I'm an adult. And I'm like, we're like, yeah, but like. I was we- like, yeah, but we got to double check. We got to yeah. dot the I's and cross the T's. It just is, you know, predatory. I feel yeah. like it's predatory. I, if you want it to to have this life experience, this this sexual experience, like uh, I've had to wrestle with a lot of that in my head since I'm way older than you even. Although when it's me and another woman, I feel like, you know. But as someone who was young and has sexual experiences with older people. Are you saying you and a younger woman, you uh, don't feel it's as predatory as a... I felt way creepier with the young man than I felt with uh, young young women. Interesting. Yeah, isn't that... It is interesting. Um, Maybe it's just a lesser fear of miscommunication because you feel uh, more connected to the female i maybe i I do i do feel like the younger women that i've like continued to talk to in that way i feel like we have great communication and stuff and like one of them in particular uh i felt like educated us every every threesome we had after that should thank her because i think if she wasn't our first then they probably would have been pretty awkward but we were like oh okay this is uh the perfect person (laughs) um I but I don't she's probably the same age as like a guy I've hooked up with and I feel weird. I have a bunch of thoughts, which is interesting because I feel like old world programming would say, you know, we come from a world that thinks guys should be grateful that their teacher fucked them. You know what I mean? Like that's the programming of the old world. So it's interesting, but it's quite the opposite for me. I feel like am I being predatory? Am I, you know. I'm not really, I don't come on very strong sexually. You have to be able to pick up on some pretty indirect signals to figure out if I'm flirting with you. But um, I, yeah, I've, I, I think about it a lot. I think about what you is it. You once came judge- up to me and whispered in my ear, you know. 
You know what the best part about rape <laughs> is? <laughs> um, so, yeah, r- very subtle yeah, flirting no, like that. You're different, obviously. <laughs> uh, you have been a, a, a different thing than everyone else. But I don't think being attracted to people who are young is weird at all like in the slightest especially movie stars like they're they we are perfect we are programmed to believe that they are hot they are put in front of us in a way that is like this is what you should desire so mm. the whole the whole reason we started this we were going to tell uh about going to an emmy's party ourselves jessica got invited to comedy central's emmy party the night before the emmys and she brought me and we went to it so fun it was it was it was fun and it was weird I felt weird. Jessa never did. Uh, I was I I was a little uh, awkward because I kept seeing people I idolized, just comics that I I was like, that's Kyle Mooney, that's Rory Scovel, uh, like all all these people that I loved, and I was like, Jessa, why aren't you intimidated at all by all these people that we're seeing? And Jessa was like, Well, I don't know who any of them are. <laughs> very helpful it's like that's tim robinson she, who <laughs> what who is what now married to susan sarandon tim no. <laughs> um i thought about the randomness of social anxiety and how many times you have had to endure a social anxiety attack out with me and how it ha- it doesn't make any sense we're like here's a place where i should feel awkward and i'm just walking around like i own the place i don't give a fuck that i'm surrounded by famous people and executives but then sometimes we walk into a denny's and i completely shut down and can't like, function. everyone here hates me no i've been trying to learn to um, she did recognize Anthony Jeselnik. God, how could you not recognize? How can you be that fucking hot and tall and so much hair? And he's a dick, but he's actually nice, which is like, fuck. Oh, you're nice, but you could roast me all day in your tall. Uh, he had a nice beard. Fuck. He looks so good with a beard. I don't usually like beards. I know, but he looked incredible. He looked in better with a beard than Fuck. he did. You know, he was already attractive, but he yeah. looks much better. So hot. <laughs> you see him. It, he interviewed Kristen Shaw on his show, and he was talking about when they first met, and that she they were at a festival, and she was named best alt comic at the festival instead of him, and he is like still harboring a grudge over it. And really? it was it was very he uh, has what kind of a show a podcast no it's all it might as well be it's a show a new show on comedy central where he just interviews guests one-on-one uh mm. and uh but he just like kept bringing it up kept bringing up the alt comic thing and she was oh, like that's so what funny. part of you do you think is alt <laughs> like, exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> Just you conventionally hot, tall, white man who does who does standard setups and punchlines. What is it? Oh shit. Uh I decided I want to be a little bit more famous as a comedian. Okay. I know that I keep changing my mind, but I've decided uh I want one more one more step one more step rung up, up yeah. the ladder. What to what? I don't know. Just a little more known. I just, you, I got you, really freaked out by 
the just taste of fame. I was oh. like, oh, I don't like this. And now I'm like, okay. At the Emmys party, you're like, I wish more people were looking at I me. I wish more people I knew wish who more I was. People Only the like, photographer oh. knew who I was. Now, uh, I got excited talking about doing a uh, comedy special of just stories. And then I've been thinking about it ever since. Oh. Hmm. I liked... Uh, what you said about like everyone, because I was I was noticing there's there was something a, a strange vibe about the party, in and you helped me put my finger on it. Uh, and what I think it came down to is like I've never been at a party with so much eye contact. That's how I feel at the comedy there's, store. There, everybody, I make so much eye contact with everyone, and I'm like I'm and I first felt like it was all me, like I'm scanning the room, just taking in everyone, and then Jessa was like you realize everyone's doing that to you. Right. Everyone's trying to figure out if they know who you are. And you just, you also gave me some tips on like, uh, like you just have to like act like they should know who you are, you yeah. know, stand and project. We broadcast that what you said. Yep. You broadcast out like, yeah, you all should know who I am. So then I started staring people in the face and smiling at them. It was a very powerful feeling. Yeah. <laughs> no. And it's very, it's a very powerful manifestation tool. So the first Emmys party I went to the first comedy central Emmys party I went to, I had filmed, this is not happening, but it hadn't come out yet. And so there was a 0% chance that anybody knew who I was. There's still a 0% chance because I look nothing like I did uh, on that. But at the at the first Emmys party, I used that. I just walked around. I didn't have fun at that party because you weren't there. But and you were on mushrooms, right? I did take half of a mushroom cap and then was like oh i need to get out of here and then i was just like stuck in a circle of dudes talking about football and i was like wow is this what a bad trip is i needed out of that party so bad that i drove on mushrooms or no i let lucas drive drunk one of the other yeah. it was bad it was bad i i smoked weed as we like we were waiting for the valet i was like i'll just smoke a little bit because that always puts me in a good mood and we're going to a party and i want to be in a good mood and the second we got into an elevator and everyone was just silent i was like the weed was this a was a mistake <laughs> <laughs> why is everyone being so quiet and then we walked out of the elevator and i walked right into roy scoville and i was like <laughs> get me out of here jessa this was a port i feel like i've seen roy scoville i feel like i've seen a lot of these people because you show me comedy but then my face doesn't memorize eyes don't memorize faces eyes, <laughs> eyes are the faces Rememorize <laughs> the eyes. Mesmerface uh, the faces. What is this fucking episode about? We have covered a lot of well, bases. It's a lot of stuff. So I met Roy Scoville one time in Boise, Idaho. I drove up there with Tabitha to go see a show, and it was so good. And uh, then at, like the next day, like the sun, before the Sunday show, they did a Q&A for comics at the club. Anyway, they they reached out to me on Facebook and they said, "Hey, uh, like Rory's doing this thing, you should come." And so I stayed like an extra day and went to that, and I got to ask him questions and hear his philosophy on comedy. And he said a bunch of things that changed how I approach stand up. That still like they like changed my act and like took uh, took it to another level. And I wasn't gonna say that to him. <laughs> like I was yeah. face to face with him, and Joe uh, Quaxala was talking to him. Did I say his name right? Yeah, I think so. Um, Joe was talking to him, and I was standing right there, and I was like, "I'm just gonna walk away. <laughs> that's what I'll do." Oh yeah, this Roy Scoville is where you were inspired to have a new experience every time with yep, the audience. That that's changed him. my comedy also. Yeah, 
slightly. <laughs> uh, anyway, you wanted to talk about Sabian symbols, though. Sabian symbols, I do. Um, somebody sent me this. I've made jokes about Sabian symbols before, like it's a funny tweet thing that nobody ever gets, but um, there is a symbol for every single degree of the zodiac, and they are kind of laid out as if every degree of the zodiac is part of a play. That's what I find interesting to it, that they're all act one, act two, all the way. How many acts are there? Um, 30? 30 in everything, so 30 times 12. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let's, I don't know the math on that. I'll have to consult Terrence. Um, <laughs> uh, somebody sent me this and said, the Sabian symbol for zero degrees Pisces fits your story perfectly. Right. Zero degree planets are rounded down from the previous sign to find the correlating Sabian symbol. So something that's... So it's, it's a, is it a part of astrology or is it technically a whole other f- uh, field from astrology? I believe Sabian symbols are their own thing. Okay, it's just and it's just kind of like astrology based i mean it's based on the the same, stars the signs based on the same stars yeah okay yeah same basic i premise then as astrology yeah just so i think got a different system the degree i think there's like a whole thing with sabian symbols and astrology where it's like um today the sun is zero degrees this this is the symbol of this day and so it's less about your personality as a person, but when the sun is at zero degrees Pisces, which is uh, Aquarius 30, so we're back to Aquarius again, uh, deeply booted in the past of a very ancient culture, a spiritual brotherhood in which many... Let's just pause right there. I've read that many times. Is it supposed to say rooted or are you deeply booted? And, <laughs> and what does what does that mean? Uh, I thought it might be rooted, okay. but then booted is like grounded into, Okay. Know? I just so. never heard, yeah. You're dust booted into <laughs> this ancient... Deeply booted in the past of a very ancient culture, a spiritual brotherhood in which many individual minds are merged into the glowing light of a unanimous consciousness is revealed to one who has emerged successfully from his metamorphosis. Keynote, the ability for the person with an open mind and a deep feeling for self-transcendence. Transcendence? Transcendence? Transcendence. There you go. To come into contact with higher forms of existence. That's pretty much nailed me as a person. Another thing. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I was going to say that I liked. You sent me that first, and that made sense to me. Then you sent me more things for both yourself and me. And the words stop making sense. Yeah. Yours is intense. So then you are Sagittarius 30. Because here's another parallel between the two of us. Is that you are zero degrees Capricorn. Which means you're right at the cusp of a fire sign and an air sign. And I am zero degrees Pisces. Which is right at the cusp between uh, water and air. So we are all four elements. Also... In the Sabian Whoa, like symbols. we could form Captain Planet by ourselves. <laughs> Holy shit. The twin flame thing's starting to make sense. In the Sabian symbols, they're in scenes, and you are in scene 18, which is the day of my birth, and I am in scene 22, which is the day of your birth. Take that. Now, how come you... Skeptic. I thought I was a zero degrees Capricorn, but they put me into Sag 30. 
because they have 29 degrees. Yeah, so I'm Aquarius 30. Oh, okay. So you're not Pisces zero. You're Aquarius 30. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So read what I am. <coughs> My throat chakra. <laughs> uh, read what I am in Sag 30. Phase 270. Sagittarius 30. The Pope. Blessing the faithful. Keynote. The need to pay homage to traditional values upon which the invisible community of the spirit is built. I believe... I'll get more into a definition of it, but I believe like, let's say this life is a play and this is just kind of like a um, tagline for the character you play. This is a tagline for the character that I play. All right. The first sentence says I pay homage to invisible. The need to pay homage to the traditional values upon which the invisible community of the spirit is built. I just think it's interesting that you were born and raised in Mormonism, which is, a traditional value kind of religion dogma is a traditional way of trying to express what the invisible community is. Okay. All right. That makes you, I'm already understanding it more. Okay. Keep going. The concrete integration of myriads, myriads uh-huh. of human individuals within a great religious institution with a long tradition reflects as well as having produced century after century an invisible spiritual community. This is the same thing you sent me this morning? No, there was a second one. Oh, okay. I was like, this is, I feel like this is. But we're going to get into that one because this one's English. All right. I was, I was questioning how high I was. I was like, <laughs> I don't remember any of these words. The flag bearer, in quotes, has now become the Pope, in quotes, who assumes the role of God's representative on earth. Just weird because you were a mission. I was God's representative on earth. Yes, I was. <laughs> it is a role, but culture is based on embodying great images and deeply moving symbols in physical reality. The symbol asks of the individual, are you willing to live a transpersonal life as a symbol? This is the final and supreme statement of that section of the cycle of the year represented by Sagittarius. This concludes scene 18. A collectivity of human beings is seen having transferred their sense of spiritual value to a man who has become an incarnation of their common ideal. Keywords, personalized worship. It can be a blessing or in some cases a curse. Yeah. Okay. I don't, did you guys catch all of that? It was, it's dense. But I feel like that's not me. I refuse. I would never, ever, ever, ever be worshipped. Never. That's what the that's what that character is right. He's he's the one being worshipped. No, he's God's representative on earth. Everyone's directing their stuff at him. Okay, so I'm gonna explain this. Okay. Uh, also, here's something that uh, I don't think is cool at all, but you will think is cool. Okay. The movie that I watched before you came over yeah. when you were texting me this stuff when I uh, was worried just now that I was way higher than I thought I was. Uh, the bad guy's name was Pope. And you don't think that's even a little <laughs> bit? No, really? Huh. All right. Now here is the one written the other way. Sagittarius 30. The completion of a large Persian rug. The design of the world matrix entered upon, fathomed, appreciated, beheld, and entered into completely. Losing the self and finding the self. Dancing at the edge of infinity, you are able to take up any lesson or 
phase with utter rapt abandon. You've been given the chance to take personally and collectively every old karmic cycle and free it up and move onward. That's you as fuck. That's the arduous and consuming endeavor. I've talked before about how like you carry it like a heavy karmic load and you just are like, I didn't get any work done today. And it's like, you're doing a lot of work. You're clearing a lot of karma. You have healed a ton of wounds. I don't think I enter phases with utter and rapt abandon at all. I think you do. I think you actually, uh, your perception of yourself is interesting to me as someone that watches from the outside. But I think you, uh, what was the word you used at the, the phrase you used at the waterfall for your boyish, uh, exuberance, exuberance. There is that energy that you take into everything, but it isn't when you have feelings or you get hurt or something. It's not small. It's not a it's not a small thing. It's a big thing. And then you're just stuck in this room with this big thing. And then you just you just plug away at this big thing until you come to the conclusion and you heal the wound and you uh, make your way through it and become a different person and uh more whole and more healed but like but you think i don't own a single persian rug and uh i don't what do you like what the do you completion think of, of a large persian rug is just the it's the fabric of your life like look at who you were when you were but born that, yeah but that could be anybody you could talk about anyone's life as the completion of a large persian rug have you ever looked at a persian rug and you want to tell how many persian rugs do you know in the world <laughs> How many, like, honestly, like, complex, interesting uh, people, you you attract a lot of them because you are one of them. But for the most part, people are like a bath mat from Walmart. <laughs> it's all the same from the beginning to the end. It has that gross rubbery stuff at the bottom that when you put it in the dryer, <laughs> it gets everywhere. That's what happens when they get wounded. It's just like, okay, well, now I have this plastic shit everywhere yeah well, they also should stop putting those things in the dryer <laughs> cl- what i've i've always known they don't go in the dryer people uh, are dumb people can't handle the the dryer hmm. the sensation of bondage and freedom as one yeah what does that mean there was a lot of this stuff and i thought it was like it was like personally and also collectively and this and also that what well, because th- this is an this, energy. This is like an energy of, of these. Freedom. Um, I think this is your very free spirit. Your energy is very free, but there is also like the heaviness of what I believe to be like an, a very heavy karmic load that you will work through in this lifetime. And for people that don't understand the kind of karma, I'm not talking about goes around, comes around uh, misinterpretation of it. But rather, throughout all of your lifetimes, you're taking. It's funny on that you're debt. doing a jerk off motion while talking about yeah. loads. <laughs> A sensation of bondage and freedom as one. You feel driven to the utmost extent to become all of yourself and to be done with errant fragments. I mean, I I would say right now your energy is collecting all of these fragments of yourself. The process is endless, yet each stroke is inspired and transcendent and blessed. For when you agree to take on what nobody else can take on, you are a thousandfold blessed and given every consideration as you're doing the true work, letting the world matrix breathe into the spaces beyond. Yeah, again, again, there was a lot of, 
the world matrix breathe into the spaces beyond. That sounds like Terrence Hat. What Terrence yeah. was talking about, <laughs> the spaces between the lines or between the curves. I can't remember now. Yeah, I think he was pretty on it. It just is like not things you have to say out loud. Mine is a large At the pool. Emmys. <laughs> We think those people wanted to talk to him about his ascot. Like they wanted him. <laughs> they were completely unprepared. They had no backup, no follow-up questions because they were like, "What? We Did were you gonna say star." <laughs> yeah, that's what she. She was like, "Please, can we just talk about the star? That's something I've heard of before." What if he had been like, "What if? What if he? There wasn't a Walk of Fame star. What if he was like, I'm being given." Copernicus 279. <laughs> it's a star in the, Has no in, the omega, in the Omega Quadrant. It's being it's being given to me with which I will construct Saturn without gravity. Uh, I don't know. Maybe this is word salad. A large pool filled with white water lilies in bloom is mine that's worded weird. It's, that's, word sound was the phrase that came to my head when you sent me those two things today. Not yeah. the not the first one that we read of you, which I felt was like dead on. Yeah. But uh, yeah, a pool pool of, of, of white children. This one's not. Uh, integration and synthesis, which is, you know, I'm absolutely integrating higher dimensional stuff into Earth or uh, integrating my schizophrenia into my podcast. Do you remember this movie I've told you about called Midnight Special? Yes, remind me though. I'm pretty sure Joel Edgerton is in it. He was in this uh, Pope movie I was talking about earlier, mm -hmm. which like wasn't I did I'd never even heard of this. Movie. It's called Animal Kingdom. I'd never heard of it. Uh, I I had heard of the TV show, but I had no idea that there was a movie. I was going to watch Source Code, the Jake Gyllenhaal uh, movie, yeah. and then I saw Animal Kingdom, and I was like, okay, I want to check this out anyway. Uh, just, you know, not cool at all to me, but, you know, just sharing these details because I think you might find them cool. <laughs> it's uh, weird that you need to specify this Yeah, you know, just, just totally, totally, synchronicities. totally uncool uh, yeah. coincidences to me. Uh, but uh, anyway, in Midnight, in Midnight Special, the kid uh, has these powers, right? But basically at the end of the, spoiler alert, he's... You get to see what this kid sees, and there's, like, this invisible city on top of our world. Like, there's this invisible civilization just on top of our world, and the kid goes into it. His parents get a glimpse of it, and that's the world, like, of the like the future, you know? Like, right. he's, you know, he's one of these first humans that's, that's transcending into that world, but he's going, I feel like, bring more humans later. Anyway. Damn, so it's a documentary? Yeah. Well, I, can you do make a documentary about something that hasn't happened yet? Uh, it's happening, though. It's crazy doing readings and talking to people and just the, the new language among people who are already experiencing it. I was like, yeah. So I was opening up portals the other day by these curbs, and I'm pretty sure they're like, oh, I did the portal thing and blah, blah, what blah. What is the portal thing? Did I not tell you this story? Just a you can't just open up portals on curbs, Jessa. I absolutely opened up a portal on a curb. You and I were on the phone. It was right before we saw each other in July. And then we hung up, and I was, I was at my curb parking lot. And I stood up, and at the end of the curb was what looked like might be an alien or, or I thought maybe you or something in the ether because it was very tall. 
And so I stood Maybe on. Maybe it was Anthony Jesselnik. I stu- that would be cool. <laughs> I stood on the curb and watched it. It was like too tall to be a being. And then like I let it come into focus and it was like a, a tall oval. And so then I just like walked towards it and then walked through it. And then I got up on the next curb and was like, I wonder if that was a portal. Can I open that up? And so then I like intended one there and it opened up and I walked through it. And then I did it on every curb. And what I felt like the message was there is that we have all these timelines coming into focus for those of us that are on this weird trip right now. And I think what is eventually going to happen, because right now we're doing like the two cut method and trying to like figure out how to get onto these timelines. But the thing that stops us from just like easily switching timelines is the belief it's this programming that tells us, oh, uh, the timeline where you're healthy is hard to get to or, you know, or, the, or where you're rich is hard to get to. And so we have all this programming that kind of keeps us stuck on like less favorable timelines or we just we have so much karmic load that we like want to be on a timeline that's painful, you know. And remember that dream I had about driving off a cliff? Yeah. And then the aliens were like, it's completely calmed down. Like I had to like completely go limp. Um, I keep having dreams like that. I keep having things like that where if you can completely detach from that moment, unattached from that, you can just boom. Like you're driving and a car is coming at you head on. In that moment, once we have mastered this, you can just go through a portal and then have that disappear. And what if that is what that sensation is when you're driving down the street and you see a car accident happen? Is that you've just... Gone through a portal. Gone through a portal. So right. my thing was, I didn't say, I didn't mean that you you are unable to open portals on curbs. I was saying you shouldn't just open up portals. Sounds dangerous to me. Yeah, well, I think you're thinking of like hell mouths or something. Yeah. I'm not like just like letting other things in. I'm just stepping onto different timelines. I just okay. think it was a it was a message. Yeah, I think that, now that you've explained it, I yeah. s- it sounds different. I was just imagining a, like a door to another universe that you just left open in the Ralph's parking lot that now uh, you know higher dimensional beings are walking through and wreaking havoc on our on our timeline. But that makes more sense. And it really isn't about. I think it's not about anything other than it's all always been happening right here in this moment there are other dimensions here there are eight dimensional beings walking through this apartment right now but we can't see them because we hadn't gotten to the place where we were multi-dimensional yet so we only just had this one physical dense reality and now as everyone's consciousness is expanding we're starting like when you're on acid they see us if you think that if if there are eight dimensional beings walking through uh, this space right now, uh, they're invisible to us, but are we invisible to them? No, I think they can see us. Then they're perverts, <laughs> and they need to get out of my apartment. Don't hang. Uh, clearly, this is occupied, man. <laughs> clearly, get the fuck out, dude. I think we're like extras. That's why I always want to like have a sit down whenever I watch a scary movie, but like a haunted house and stuff. I would always just like I'm. I want to see someone have a sit down with the ghost. I'm like, can you leave? Could you Ble- just like? It's just like uh, I bought this place. I live here now. Please go, please. Can we talk about Greta Thunberg? Sure. I watched her speech to the UN climate uh, summit. It was empowering. It was. I got chills. 
listening to it it was good it does sound like a like there's a little bit that sounds like you know she wrote this she's trying yeah like i I just mean there's already been so much negative talk about her oh there has oh god yes oh god yes the people are freaking out because a a 16 year old girl uh is is speaking truth and they don't know how to handle it uh so everyone wants to Everyone wants to, that wants to keep their head in the sands about climate change just refuses to. They, they just you know are making up things about her. The one guy was comparing her to Nazi propaganda. There, uh, a lot of people were just like, "Yeah, the only thing true about this is that you should be in school, you dumb girl. Why don't you oh, go to school God. instead of telling me how science works? I know how it works." <laughs> but they're all fucking dumb. It was a powerful speech. I feel like there are moments that change the world and Zendaya's dress and (laughs) (laughs) and Greta Thunberg's speech are equally those moments the world was left equally changed after each of them but uh this it was amazing she's I mean a lot of conservatives are mad uh people that don't believe in climate change feel like they're you know she's yelling at them but i felt like it was cool because she was yelling at all of us like all of her supporters there like people that are excited for her are also getting yelled at like all the people that call her the our hope like oh greta thunberg gives us so much hope for the future she's talking directly to them yeah when she says how dare you look to us for hope and i thought that's oh it was she canceled an entire generation in, in this yeah. in like a minute she was just like you you people all you saw was profit all you saw was greed and you betrayed uh, the whole planet she said the eyes of our generation and every future generation is on you like the those are damning words yeah, from man, a 16 year old a 16 year old who's reminding you that every generation from here on out will remember what you did we will always be able to point back to you guys and say you fucked it up and that was like Jesus really really cool and then her and 15 other teenagers uh sued five countries they like uh made a what do you call it when you take you wish they sued them I don't know what's the thing in court they're gonna they're gonna try to take five countries to court for killing the planet I don't know it's cool how long because I don't know much about the subject but how like how long have we been utterly destroying the planet? It's like under 100 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just I, I've once found, I think I have it saved somewhere. I can show it to you where uh, there is a really cool infographic that shows the Earth's mean or median temperature every single year. And you can just scroll forever and it shows you where it was just like thousands and thousands of years ago like this is what it was this is and you can see like some little peaks some little dips and like it's as you really as as humans start once you like and they they label different points in in uh history like this is when the dinosaurs were here and this that's what the temperature was and this was the ice age and that's what the temperature was and here's when uh humans are showing up that's what the temperature is here's what it looks like in the industrial revolution and that's just like you know uh, a couple hundred years ago, right? right. And that's when you start to see this gradual increase, just a gradual increase, and it's just starting to get hotter and starting to get hotter for the next uh, 100 years or so. And then it's this exponential curve, 
exponent like it just goes boom way out and like you when you want, look at the whole infographic you realize that this much change in temperature took us out of the ice age or put us into it like it is a tiny little bit right you know like this much change in temperature resulted in the in the destruction of a certain species like they'll they'll list extinction events uh like a different species or whatever and then you look at how much the temperature has changed in uh in the last 50 years 50 years and it's nuts and the science uh, has been, if I to quote Greta, she said, the science has been crystal clear for the last 30. For 30 years now, we've known without a doubt that, uh, that we're making the planet hotter and that it's going to cause huge problems. And we've just made it worse. There's like a line on the infographic that shows, uh, I'm, after I talk about this much, I'm going to have to put it into the Facebook group or something, um, that shows like uh, where, where we would go if we stopped like everything, if we stopped all CO2 emissions right now, how long would it take the earth to get back to a good spot? And, uh, it's a, it's a long time. And then, and we're, and we're not going to do that. We're going to take little tiny half measures, you know? And then they're like, that's where, if we take these little tiny half measures, uh, we'll all be dead by this point. You know, <laughs> like, oh. what is the, uh, what is the date that we're dead by? I don't know. It's like, uh, I have no idea. I, I feel like it was originally like back in uh, an inconvenient truce, which is the first time I ever heard about climate change, which it was what ten I years. I think most ago? people, yeah. I think a lot of people heard about it the first time, and I never saw an inconvenient truth. I remember hearing about it. I'm like a ninth grader, maybe I can't remember, because uh, it's after he lost the election right so he lost two thousand. yeah i saw it when i got clean so that doesn't so i'm somewhere in, i'm a sophomore junior senior maybe in high school. Six? yeah yeah somewhere in there and i just remember hearing people talk about how crazy al gore was mm-hmm. like i uh i heard more people discredit an inconvenient truth than i heard people uh accepting or praising inconvenient truth it was just like liberal propaganda right and uh that's crazy it is uh, crazy. I do think th- that it's going to kill the people that think it's bullshit. So that that part makes me happy. It's I was like, a- I do think that the people who are fighting for the earth and trying to help the earth and everything else, I think those people evolve and will physically be able to survive what the earth does. But I do, and this could just be my fantasy. I was talking to someone yesterday that how much of my desire to usher in a new age is not spiritual. It doesn't come from a spiritual place. It comes from like a Being like sick of these motherfuckers. There's something in me that is like I feel destined to destroy the old guard. I feel destined to kill the elite. And I'm like I'm positive that I that I am associated with the people that will do this. And it doesn't come from I think that's why I don't resonate with love and light is cuz like no, I'm not. But there is something when I hear I'm about the earth worlds getting hot and um and the people who are causing it denying it i just feel like the the twist at the end is that she's just heating up so that she can boil them alive <laughs> and uh i just their I, arrogance is just like i know they're going to die i just think that we all will that's the that's my fear is yeah. that like i don't uh I I don't know how to get a new dimensional body that withstands the heat. So then I just feel like, all right, well then we're all going down with this with this ship. She's gonna burn us off of it. 
on my more pessimistic days, we just recorded a podcast with Tim Dillon where he he went through so many different conspiracy things. Well, like, you know, not they were just like all true. I don't know. It was a very <laughs> depressing day. It was very it was just like, oh, this world, this world sucks. I was thinking about Rust Cole, my boyfriend from True Detective, who's like, we are a misstep in, in evolution. And the only decent thing to do would be to forsake our genes and to walk hand in hand into extinction. And I'm like, that's what we should do. <laughs> T- Tim's telling me about all these child sex rings and shit. And I'm like, we all just have to die. And the earth is, we, we are a, a, a virus and the earth is is creating a fever to burn us out and we deserve it. But then Greta Thunberg comes along and gives me hope. I mean, and I know how dare I look to her for hope, but it was, I felt hopeful when I watched that. Yeah. I feel like we are reaching a turning point where this isn't an inconvenient truth anymore. More and more people are like when I was a freshman in college at the LDS Business College, I did one semester at the LDS BC. I took uh, a science class. They made us watch two documentaries, two of them. One that was all about uh, how climate change is real and how it's happening. And then the next day in class, we watched uh, the other side of the story, quote unquote. Which is just. Yeah, it was just like, actually, the world's temperature changes, and we don't know if this is, this could just be a temporary blip. And like, there was a blip when the dinosaurs were here. And like, you know, who's to say that we're causing it and stuff? And I remember just being confused as a uh, a college freshman. I'm like, why would you show me both? I mean, I get it. I think it's cool that you want us to make up our own mind or something, but uh, I'm just confused now. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know. They both sounded so authoritative, but like I felt, I think at LDS BC, they, they weren't ready to fully commit to the climate change agenda. Right. And, uh, I feel like now it's just more and more prevalent that people are accepting it. People who 10 years ago didn't accept, my parents didn't used to accept it. Now we've talked about it enough that my parents just talk about it. Like, you know, it's, yeah, it is a thing that's happening. Yep. And, uh, I saw her speech as like a, a tipping point in the, the earth's opinion, or at least America's opinion, uh, on climate change. Um, what was I just going to say about my parents, boomers, 10 years ago, public opinion changing. Were you going to also going to talk about John Oliver's show about climate change? Uh, no, it's going to be good. John Oliver a few years ago had a really great visual example. It's like when, uh, uh, when people on like Fox or conservative outlets talk about how they're, the science is divided on the issue. Not, not everyone believes in climate oh, now change. I remember. Mm-hmm. He was like, really, it's 98 to 2. Like yeah. 98% of the scientific community agrees and 2% doesn't. Are owned by corporations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he, like, he brought out 100 uh, actors into the studio in lab coats to like demonstrate. Yeah. It's like how many dentists agree on this toothpaste. Uh-huh. Um, narcissism. I see it everywhere now. I see Oh, is it abuse. tipping points? 
I see corporations who are at fault, right? It's corporations that are at fault for... For narcissism or for, for global warming? Global warming. Oh, okay, okay. And then when they do finally, after their gaslighting PR campaign, that global warming is not real, when that has lost the effect, when the victim of the abuse starts to wake up, I just see the archetype of, of narcissistic abuse in everything now where the person starts to wake up and is like, no, definitely my experience is true. The earth is heating up. There is enough evidence here. Then the narcissist says, okay, well, like you need to recycle more of your plastic bottles and like stop driving your car. You need to ride a bike to work. Have you considered going vegan? Like they then make it your problem when it's like individually, there's very little we could do correct without the corporations, uh, stopping taking a giant shit on our planet. That's what I think. I, I agree. Um, we did, uh, kind of touch on this already in end times, right? And after that, we got a message from someone and uh, from from Jackson. And I, I don't know, since we're talking about it again, I'll pull it up and read it. He said, because uh, he has, he took the more um, personal approach, which I disagree with, but I felt like he explained it uh, pretty well. So, uh, he's, it's a pretty long message. I'm scrolling through here. Said, I may have been slightly, me, Aaron, may have been slightly misinformed on the primary cause of our global despair and self-destruction. And because I love him so much, I just couldn't help but speak up. He says he loved both of us, but I just changed it. <laughs> um, one of the main topics of research that he does is the upcoming mass extinction event. And so this is something he's he's very passionate about, does a lot in uh, those in power would like us to believe we have little to no power over our future. In reality, the masses are indeed the ones who can and should turn the ship around. The world is not necessarily being destroyed by the ruling elite. Rather, the ruling elite have brainwashed the masses into destroying ourselves with our daily habits and lifestyle practices. Okay. For example, the leading cause of deforestation, species extinction, world starvation, ocean dead zones, and all major human health problems and climate change as a whole is one thing by far, animal agriculture. Animal agriculture is, all, is simultaneously the cause of deforestation and world starvation? Interesting. This includes the recent fires in the Amazon, which we were talking about on that episode. Uh, they said specifically that the cattle ranchers were responsible for the intentional deforestation, blah, blah, blah. This is all done to feed the gluttonous consumers in first world countries, mainly the U.S. and the EU. This is the way the elite get us to destroy ourselves. Can, the only reason these industries continue their insanely destructive practices is because we, the consumers, demand and fund these products. So I feel like you're, th that's just saying like, OK, we have, the people that are saying we have to stop eating hamburgers. Uh, because right. if we stop eating hamburgers, then uh, there won't be as many cattle ranchers and there will be more forests, right? That we're like cutting down forests to make uh, cattle or something. Right. Tim Dillon also kind of touched on this when, when oh, talking about all these shitty uh, conspiracy things. And we asked him, like, is it the ruling elite? And he's like, it's all, it's not a, a room full of people. It's like the, the whole system of the world. And he was like, we're complicit because we want cheeseburgers for a dollar and 50 cents. And in order to get a cheeseburger for a dollar and 50 cents, there's someone somewhere else in the world that's suffering because of it. And I was like, mm, okay. You know, so uh, I... 
I can. I'm. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Are you they, ready to be vegan? No, no. That's what he says. He's like, you know, uh, due to the fact that animal agriculture is the leading cause of the world's major problems, this means we have a responsibility to make personal lifestyle changes, like going vegan, in order to address the root of these issues. When we wait around for those in power to make the world a better place, we do a great disservice. Here's the thing. I just my my thing is like I, I he talks about like you know we something that I think that you said in in all of these episodes that we've done. That like individuals will change, and uh, that will ch- in in turn change the world. Like that, everybody will, all these yeah. individuals will change, right? And that's essentially what he's talking about. Like if every consumer makes a this this decision, then then yeah, then maybe we can. Um, I feel a little bit more pessimistic than that, though. I'm like, I feel like we could change our consumer habits and the people at the top would start selling something else to us, you know, and they would still be at the top and they'd still they'd find some way. I, you know, I feel like I don't want to wait around for the the ruling elite to change anything. I want to eat the ruling elite. Yeah. And well, re- so we would and then, not need animals anymore if we could just eat them. I bet they they, there's disgusting. like 12 of them, though. That's the problem. Yeah. There's only they, we're going to be. Like, not even everyone's going to get a piece. That's how sad it is. We're all, when we finally eat the rich, like, only a few people will get to eat the rich. They'll be the new 1%. <laughs> I do think I probably become vegan at some point because I um, I don't think we'll really eat food, you know? I think we'll need less and less food. And I did go raw vegan at one point. I tried everything. The problem is I can't eat gluten. And so... Is the vegan diet a lot of gluten? If you don't eat gluten, yeah, I don't know. Huh. No, I know a lot of vegans that eat a fuck ton of gluten. Oh, yeah, okay. Because you take no, no, vegan is already dairy free, but gluten free also is. A but lot. he says this is how we take our power back. We as individuals can create the change we'd like to see and demand a world of compassion rather than self destruction and apathy. But I think. We are we like when we stand up to the ruling elite and like tell them like you need to like I I think I don't think that those two things are mutually exclusive like uh yeah we can go vegan and stop using plastic straws and still demand uh the EPA be regulated by someone other than Monsanto you right. know uh we can still uh roll some heads and uh, demand that our that our governments be more compassionate to the world as a whole like. Right. But, uh, you know, I, I can appreciate the idea that, like, you need to have that change happen within you first, and then that makes you a more powerful, uh, like, spokesperson for the movement. And, right. You know, if everyone had that change and then everyone voted, like, uh, they would still just give the election to whoever they wanted. Uh, so I, I think that's why I think both of them. I wish I don't think he says the name of his YouTube channel. I wish I uh, could plug it right now for him. But yeah, anyway, and we can put it in the description. I don't. I don't know. I don't want to plug someone <laughs> else's show. I, uh, no, thanks, Jackson, for for sending that that in. I thought, even though you know, I didn't totally agree. I felt like it was uh, you made your point and like made me think about stuff differently. So thank you very much. Uh, I do wonder if the belief that the elite are the problem is just a lazy way to not take, you know, action ourselves. I do try to consider the environment, you know. 
I can't. I've never littered. I don't think I've ever littered in my life. I uh, I don't know why I'm bragging about that. <laughs> I just I don't understand. I'm we're I'm in Koreatown this week, and it's so dirty. And I just don't understand. So many people just throw things on the ground. It's insane. And to I like throw things I on put the trash in my pocket until I find a trash can. You know. Yeah. I don't even throw like banana peels out my car window. <laughs> If it's biodegradable, it's. Uh, I'm like, if it's gonna get smashed into the ground and not exist after a tire hits it, it's fine, right? As Peter Kern would say, into the pavement. <laughs> <laughs> you think? You think the banana is uh, is just what, is, is just oozing into the pavement? <laughs> you gotta at least get it joke? off the road. You gotta get it. You gotta get it in. Yeah. No, yeah. Pete. Pete has a great joke about um, the uh, the proper way to dispose of a banana peel. You want me to tell him? Yeah. We all know the proper way to dispose of a banana peel is to chop it up into little pieces and bury it in an isolated wooded area. Uh, he talks about like, uh, you know, it's okay because it decomposes. He's like, yeah, everything decomposes. You ever seen a 50 million year old diaper? No, it decomposed. <laughs> uh, Peter Alfred Kern, Esquire, attorney at law, everybody. He did get back to you and let you know that he is an Esquire? Yes. He, oh, yeah. He confirmed that. And I, he, but you know how I forget every podcast that we ever yes. record? I remember if, if I'm the one that edits it, like I'll get a, a recap, refresher of it, you know, but when you edit it, uh, like you did that one. And I got a text from Pete that just says, I am an Esquire. <laughs> and I was just like, congrats, man. When did that happen? <laughs> I, then I, re I remembered. I remembered. And then I sent a text to you. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, he is an Esquire. And then you said, and very hot. And I was like, <laughs> oh, shit. Have you had the hots for Pete this whole time? Why did you ever tell me you thought Pete was attractive? And you're like, you <laughs> in the episode. <laughs> said he was an attractive Esquire. And I was like, oh, it's all coming together. It's like being best friends with Dory. <laughs> Say what? Anyway, guys, uh, Jessa, where can people follow you? Jessa Reed Comedy on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and you can follow me at Aaron Woodall 14 on Twitter. And uh, come to our Patreon patreon.com slash mormon and the meth head a lot of people have been telling us like hey we can't find mormon and the meth head on patreon you just uh you can't search for it and we realized why that is it's because we have it listed as explicit because it is explicit like because we swear but just as saying people use uh patreon to sell pictures of their pussy so i think that's probably what they're trying to prevent so we should There's nothing wrong with that but no not, nothing wrong with that we just would lose a lot of patrons. But, um, yeah, so I think that's probably why We had someone request a sex feature. tape uh, a week or so ago. You're a sex tape would that. be good. Um, anyway, I think maybe we'll just take the explicit thing off. I don't know what bad thing could happen to us. If, if you're uncomfortable using a backslash and typing out the words Mormon and the meth head into the actual address... As instructed, you can go to our website, mormonandthemethhead.com, which doesn't really save you any of these steps. And there should be a link to our Patreon on yeah. there. Well, I think the people, more people are having problems in the app. 
Like they're like on oh, yeah, their phone the in the app. app. Uh, it sucks for us too. Trying Fuck to use... the app and just get the address. Like sign up for the Patreon on a browser, and then it'll give you a link to put into your podcast app. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, the Patreon app sucks. I fucking hate it. Huh? No. I don't watch my water baby videos on <gasps> the app. Where do you watch them? Through the browser. Oh, okay. Also, not great. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, that's it for us. Um, we have shows coming up in uh, Bozeman, Montana, Saturday, October 5th, and uh, Denver, Colorado, Saturday, November 9th, Salt Lake City, Sunday, November 10th. We are also, well, in that same weekend, working on something in Grand Junction, Colorado, and maybe Rock Springs, Wyoming, but they're not confirmed yet. So December, New York City. Nin- the 19th, the 19th, 10.30 p.m., not New York City. Uh, the Creek in the Cave. It's not New York City? It's like Queens. Oh, okay. Long Island City or something. Oh, okay. Creek in the Cave, 10.30 p.m., December 19th. We'll have tickets up for that soon. All right. Go to mormonandthemethhead.com. Phoenix, and I think we're coming. Phoenix and we, we, New Mexico I wa- in December. I'm hoping that we do Phoenix and New Mexico in December, but we have to get on that. But uh, I want to go back. I want to go back. We had uh, some of the best fans uh, out in Phoenix. Yeah, we and, did. And, uh, uh, you know, our, our DMT fans are out in, <laughs> in Phoenix. Uh, anyway, I want to go back uh, right before Christmas. Nice little Christmas gift. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening to us ramble on uh, week after week and being so supportive when uh, we cry about our ex-spouses and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we'll catch you guys next time on Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron, Woodall, and just so read our friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. A podcast network.